All right, good evening, everybody. Special show here on the Jimmy Palumbo Show. Show number 13. That's right, Chris. I am going to call this the the Dave Jennings Show. Number That's 13. That's a guy that I've never even heard of. You never heard of Dave Jennings, like no. seven-time Pro Bowler punter for the oh, Giants? I'm punter. No. The you only heard, punter that I heard know of Dave is Jennings. Pat McAfee. He was a Yankee, a giant radio uh, guy as well. But I was thinking more in terms of Yankees. Well, so okay. That's fine. You know, I have a secondary I'm, one. I'm not going to go with A-Rod because that's the right. one that we can't well, do. We've decided that, uh, as you guys know, every week when we choose the number, it can't be A-Rod, it can't be Marino because those are two. Like 12 couldn't be Staubach or Brady or so on and so forth. But I went with Dave Jennings, and who's your guy? I'm going to go with Gerald Williams. Gerald Williams, the good The reason one. why good I use one. Gerald Williams is because the Jeter connection. That's All Jeter's. Right, that's good. Gerald know, Williams had was his a, locker next to Jeter. And, and he was not a good player, and clearly the Yankees would have cut him, you know, uh, a thousand years before he got cut. And Jeter said, no, keep my uh, – he was probably Jeter's uh, girl runner when they went out on Friday I wouldn't nights. doubt it. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. doubt that. My secondary one, though, is one that only my cousin John and um, – my brother will get, and my buddy Steve Venditti, who works for the Giants, um, would get. It's going to be Walt No Neck Williams was also number thirteen. He played in like the mid seventies with the Yankees. And I was going to no say, neck. is he a Giant? He's or a is Yankee. He a, is Walt he a Yankee? No Neck Williams. There's a lot of good Yankee thirteens. Charlie right. Hayes, Espinosa. You can start getting into Alva. Yeah, and it was uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Jose Vizcaya, and also uh, Kurt Bluffrey. Going back to the sixties. Mike Pagliarulo. There's some guy driving his car right now just drove off the road the fact that I said Kurt Bluffrey. And that, my goal for the beginning of the show is to make someone drive off the road. That's Because I've never done that. You're listening to a radio show and somebody says something that, like, nobody knows that. So you didn't know who Dave Jennings was, which is, that's embarrassing. So anyway, we're here on show number 13, the Dave Jennings slash Gerald Williams show. Because I give you credit for that one. That's a good one. Um here on the Jimmy Palumbo Show, we also have a very special guest. Um, my good friend from Colonia High School, Roger Mayer, is here live in the studio audience. He's technically behind the glass with Chris, but we don't have any glass, but we call it behind the glass. Roger's a dear friend of mine, went to high school with him. Uh, his older brother was friends with my older brother. They lived together up in North Jersey for years when they first got out of college. Not for years, probably for months. Um, made the place filthy, and your mother cried when they, she realized how dirty the place was. But uh, my good friend Roger, a pilot for American Airlines for a long time. He's responsible for the friendly skies here at Shea. And uh, he's here listening in. And maybe he'll chime in later. And uh, But other big news is, ladies and gentlemen, now new advertiser on the Jimmy Palumbo Show, Warren Brumell. That's right. Warren Brumell is uh, um, he's a lawyer. He's also Roger Mayer's brother-in-law, which is why we had to invite him in. We're like the mob here. We've got to bring in like the brother-in-law. So he's Roger, checking to make sure everything yeah. is going smooth over Roger's here. Roger's like Fredo in terms of that. Or uh, what was the what was the uh, son-in-law's name in The Godfather? Uh, one of Mary Tally Shire. Do you think I'm going to get it oh, before God. you get it? What's You're his the name? movie guy, bro. I can't think of his name. It's so bad. When he get James Conn beats the hell out of him with the garbage can, that's who Roger Mayer is. Or that's who Warren is. We don't know. But, uh, yes, uh, Warren Brumell, I've known him for years. He's a great guy, a funny guy. I remember that he used to think I was funny when I was like 15. He still does, Jamie. Yeah, my, as Roger chiming in there. He still <laughs> thinks I'm funny. But um, he's a lawyer now in, uh, in New Jersey, and uh, he handles bankruptcy. And the good thing about Warren Brumell is, okay, he's an attorney at law. 
and he is a debt relief debt relief agency. It helps people file for relief under the bankruptcy code. Now I had to say that last line because that's the legal ease. You have to say that. But Warren's been doing this for like thirty five years, okay? And he helps people rebuild their financial lives. Uh, he's located in Keyport, New Jersey, but he handles all of New Jersey, and it's all Zoom now. Everything's Zoomed. He can zoom you in, blah blah blah. And if you mention our show, you get a free. That's right, a free initial consultation here when you mentioned the Jimmy Palumbo show. Um, and Warren, like I said, he's been doing this for 35 years and he's, he's literally, he's, he's processed and filed over 10,000 bankruptcy cases. Okay. Uh, great guy. And, um, uh, he is now a advertiser on our show, but he also does the good thing. His firm, they now they only handle bankruptcies. Okay, he's not a jack of all trades lawyer. He'll be doing a divorce one minute, and next minute he's doing a personal personal injury case. Although I could have used every one of these, then all, all these jack of all trades I could have used. Um, funny thing is, I probably will end up using Warren uh, bankruptcy. Um, Maybe Chris and Dave. <laughs> Everybody's good. Eventually, everyone needs Warren when you file for bankruptcy. Um, but he makes the process simple and affordable. He's got payment plans. Uh, the number is 732-264-3400. Or more importantly, www.keyportlaw.com. You go on that website. They got everything there. Stuff to fill out. Stuff to inquire. And all that kind of stuff. Now, listen. Um, the, the bottom line is bankruptcy will stop foreclosures, repossessions, wage garnishments, bank levies, all that kind of stuff. And uh, that's, what, that's what Warren does. He gives you advice on all of that. You can go check out his five-star reviews on Google. Or better yet, you can go to avvo.com, the lawyer review site. I'm sure there's some really funny ones on there because sometimes lawyers, uh, they take a beating, and I'm sure on that review site. But he's got tons of five-star reviews. Um, I only wrote 12 of them. No, that's not true. He's got tons of good five-star reviews on there. And uh, like I said, uh, Warren Brumel. Uh, keyportlaw.com that's where you want to go for all your bankruptcy needs that's all he does that's what he does all righty so it's so good to have warren brumel as our new advertiser attorney at law warren brumel that's awesome so it's been a crazy week um obviously uh the, the last show i did was a little bit of a while back we can discuss the the Knicks finally being eliminated, but I had this little hope in my Nick uh, thing situation here because the Atlanta Hawks, I was saying to myself, wow, the Knicks just got smoked by the Hawks. And then I realized that the Hawks, I kept on saying, could it be that the Hawks might be just like really good right now and the rest of the league doesn't quite know it yet? And then last night, the Atlanta Hawks smoked the 76ers and uh, Trey Young looks like he is about to become like the new Kyrie, um, if not better. And so I have a little bit of a better feeling about the Knicks-Hawks series because the Hawks are really good right now. I think that maybe it's kind of wishful thinking the Hawks are really good, but I think Philly kind of just sucks a little more than we could be. Thought, could be that, but you know what? It's one zero. I'm just going by that right now. We're going to let you have just, that one. Well, you're going to have that. Way to just kill my buzz, Aaron Rodgers over there. Um, I'll start rooting for injuries. Um, the other thing is my Yankees. Uh, I'll be brief with the sports. I just. The Yankees have what I call bad optics. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Even though the, the, the pennant race isn't over, it's only June, they just look awful. Where well, the Mets, to me, 
Actually, I think the Mets don't have a good team, but their optics are better. You feel like, oh, the Mets are doing all right. They're in first place. They're playing okay. But, like, the Yankees, they're awful. The home run or nothing. The batting averages are low. They're 0-18 when a team scores five runs or more. So there's no – remember the old days, Yankees win 15-13. This is arguably the worst offensive team the Yankees have ever had uh, at this point. They never come back. They rely – like the relief pitching, uh, which for the Yankees has been very good, but used to rely on it as a stopgap. Now it's like they're down 3 nothing. The, relie- the relievers have to hold that because we can't score four runs. And they play lousy in the field. Balls are bouncing all over the place. So the optics, absolute eyewear optics, are – that's funny if you get that. But the uh, it's just the there's something very wrong. And I don't know – I hate to be the guy that says fire Boone. They're not going to get rid of Cashman. That's not happening. But I think, you know what? The Mets fired their hitting coach. Why can't the Yankees fire their batting coach? And I hate, I'm sure the guy's doing nothing wrong, but sometimes in life, you just got to go to a different restaurant. Uh, it's just the way it is. So the Yankees have to make a move um, of some sort. I don't know if it's Aaron Boone. Uh, the Yankees are hey, just... Hey, we get Severino back. That might help. Even though it's not the pitching, we need something, man. Something is wrong with the Yankees, and uh, it's not Aaron Judge. He's batting 290. You mentioned the hitting coach. I think Phil Nevin finally got ejected. There was some fire late in the game last well, night. I don't know if you watched the end of the Boston game. But, but I thought it was a li- It seemed forced to me. Well, the Yankees... And Boone, how about Boone was on the field like, well, who yelled that curse when that was a, it was a, It was an absolute shit call. Yes, that Odor got punched out. But Terrible call. When we're, we're clinging to that as the reason why we lost the game and LeMay, who's letting balls fall over his head and whatever that LeMay, was. You can't play. LeMay, you made, he's a good field, pretty good fielder, but he had a lousy game in the field. He stinks at the bat in 255. Uh, Even worse with runners in scoring position. Stanton is like two for 70 in his, since a comeback, but I think Stanton will right the ship. Clint Frazier stinks. Uh, Gardner stinks. These guys are batting under 200. Get, it's June. Andujar's got to be in the lineup more. Yeah, and he can't play the field. Where do you put him? Tyler Wade can't hit, but he uh, you know plays the outfield okay. Anyway, the Yankees are a mess, and that's it. But I also wanted to discuss, I actually bartended this weekend at a wedding. And uh, I think, uh, again, my friend Roger here is behind the glass, Roger Mayer. I, I bartended at this wedding, and I never felt so 56 years old in my life. The bride was around, I don't know official ages. I'm probably going to blow this, but I guess the bride was around between 26 and 28 and she had all her girlfriends there and I, it got creepy at one point because I was oh, like oh my god there are a massive amount of beautiful women here and they're all way too young for me like like th- I had a 30 year differential and I'm like oh my god like I'm my father now like I remember when my father when he was my age hey Jimmy you got a lot of he used to call girls broccoli robs Hey, Jimmy, a lot of Broccoli Rob's hanging out here. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God. But one girl started to, like, sit next to the bar. Can I help you serve? And I'm like, sure. And she was, like, being really friendly. And, oh, my God. Then one guy came up and said, dude, you're the guy in Beer League. What are you doing bartending? I felt like such a loser. Oh, I'm like, because I'm make, trying to make money. I got to put <laughs> yeah. gas in my car. So uh, so then the one girl was staying there the whole time, and I'm talking to her. She's like, ah, I want to hire you. My parents have this big party every year and they usually they always bring eclectic people they invite they like a mixed crowd but if you being the bartender would be great blah 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 
but she didn't leave my site. And then she's like putting her tell arm her, around. Tell her ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. So that I, I got to the point where I there's so many classic jokes you can do when someone's way younger. I was like, I was like, I said, how old are you? She said she, said she was twenty eight or twenty seven, and uh, you know, living in Hoboken, the whole that kind of thing. Uh, then she started talking about her boyfriends, and I'm like, first of all, I was ripping on the boyfriends, but being you know, she's like, why are you ripping on my boyfriends? I'm like, because you're standing next to me, and you're very pretty, and I'm I'm a fossil, and I'm ripping on your boyfriend. So, but anyway, there was one girl kept on coming up. Uh, she was like so stunningly gorgeous. You know what? After a while, and I, I I've, I've done this when I lived in L.A. I would be out at, at auditions and stuff, and I, you would see there's showbiz hot, and then there's like you know Colonia Matawan hot, okay, or a, hanging out in DJs hot. But sometimes a woman is so beautiful that you not creepy. You just want to say, hey, you know what? You're you're just absolutely beautiful, and you don't mean it that way. But you know, everybody's drinking and yelling. I almost I'm like Jimmy. It's going to come out so wrong. <laughs> Shut your mouth. So then they started That's tipping smart. me like ah, the guy from beer league, but then. This one guy comes up to me. He's like, "Dude, I got. I don't have any cash. You have, a, you have a Venmo? You got Venmo?" I was like, "I think so." And I'm on the phone, and he goes, "That's it. That that SQR code, QR code, whatever." So I hold it up to him. He takes a picture of it. Next thing you know, the girl goes inside. She prints out my Venmo code and everybody's Venmo. And I even I'm serving drinks like mad. You know, I was busy. That's brilliant. And uh, next thing you know, I get home and it was like 150 dollars <laughs> worth of Venmo. And plus, I had I ended up being a great night. But the, the women there were just, I was like, oh, my God. And I realized, Jimmy, you are just an old man. Now. It's like, I always feel like old-timers day when a guy's like 50 and he's still bat, but they look chubby in the uniform. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, so I started doing the standard line. So I go, how old's your mom? Your mom? Your mom? <laughs> so every girl that came up that said something nice, I was like kidding around. I was like, hey, is your mom, uh, <laughs> is your mom single, you know? So we laughed. But then I said to myself, the girls, I felt like I was at a prom or one of those bad high school dances. There was like four hot girls standing to the left, and there was like four guys, and and they were they were talking to me about beer league, and I felt like I wanted to be like a dating coach. I wanted to call a TV timeout and say, "Dude, listen, why are you talking to me right now about beer league? You should go over there." And I wanted to hear like maybe they all they're all married, maybe they all got boy, none of them had rings on, so they weren't married. Maybe they got long term boyfriends. I don't know. But none of the guys were like, I felt like saying, I could take, I could, I, I could get some people laid here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like the new lighting we have here at the studio, which was, I bring my buddy Roger Mayer in and they make it more romantic. <laughs> Dimming the lights. It's very nice. It's the ambiance. It's the ambiance here from the Omni. No, but these guys were not talking to these girls. I was like, oh my God. Um, but they were, but another weird thing was none of them were like usually you get that bitchy crowd. You know what I mean? They were all friendly. They were all nice. I was like, did you get caught staring? Oh, absolutely! <laughs> and the That's next the worst. one, I saw, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> I mean, but they were wearing like these summer wedding gowns that were just uh, stunning. Everybody was completely gorgeous, um, and and the guys were nice. And the guys were. It was like I was looking for something to bust balls on, and there was nothing there. I made money. The girls were hot. The guys were nice. Um, one guy was making time. I was like, "That's my guy." He's the one guy was trying to get to the quarterback. You know, um, there was this one blonde girl there that was stunningly beautiful. But again, they're young, um, and I got out. I worked about seven hours, and it was just really nice to see. I think, you know, we talk about the pandemic. And I don't want to, I'm not getting political here at all, but like, this is the group of kids, single, between the ages of 24 and 28. 
these kids haven't been able to really go out in a year and a half. Yeah. And these are your prime go to the clubs, go to the bars, Jersey Shore, Manasquan DJs. And and um they are you could just tell, like they are ready, they're gonna let loose. Yeah. Um you could just see it. It was just uh, really nice to see a beautiful affair, and I made some money. Of course, I came home and drank like two cases of beer because I was sweating my butt off. Um, so that was beautiful. Things. That was my little weekend there. Uh, I also got went to my first comedy show in a while. Friday night, my boy Reverend Bob Levy, so some of my Stern fans and Artie Lang fans appreciate that, was doing a show. Um, he was headlining over in Hackensack, Italian restaurant. Uh, my buddy Gary Pastore was there, and uh, uh, my buddy Petito was there, hanging out, doing stand-up, doing impressions. Uh, it was a good show. Um, you know, uh, It was sometimes a restaurant is a wrong venue. Upstairs room, kind of a small, you can have a small wedding there. It, it just, I like comedy clubs where it's like, it could be just a VFW, but it's got to be a square room where all the focus is on the stage. When you do one of these rooms that has pillars and where you put the tables and there was no stage, or you even with the... I always tell people, if you could even get like one foot stage just to be a little higher so the attention goes up towards the guy and the lighting, you know. But it, you know what? It was fun to see comics do shows. Um, it was nice. I sat there and I had a big meal before. So I had a nice Johnny Walker, a couple of Johnny Walker Blacks on the rocks. I sat back and watched comedy, met some old friends of mine I haven't seen in a while. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm actually, I got to get back on stage. Um, I was never a, uh, you know, I didn't do stand up five nights a week, but... I started doing it a lot more before the pandemic, and I want to get back up there and uh, and have some laughs and bus balls. So we will be doing a show with the Chop Sports Network. Me and Joe Matteris are very much due to do a stand-up show. So that's pretty much it. But now I guess it's time for, um, well, what I like to call Jimmy's Bookings. Uh, actually, if you Google worst names for a segment on a podcast – it's that. It's Jimmy's bookings, and we called it that because that was just a way to 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 log it in. And then we did it. We never changed it, so now it's so bad that we. It's so bad. I actually get comments about the Jimmy's bookings. People like it. I'm not <laughs> no, even they, I think the second the guy, the, one of the guys that I that records a podcast here, it's by far. He's like, I love the live read. I'm like, it's like 11 minutes long. He's like, yeah, but it's supposed to be. And I'm like, I know, yeah, so we, I guess that's what we're, we're I, telling uh, people. But and Johnine actually came to. Uh, well, uh, wait. Uh, before we get to this, and other and other late breaking news, as those of you who are fans of the show, the vicious torn hamstring which occurred mm. on me uh, ten days ago. Mm. Rumor has it that Johnny Trino is throwing off a flat surface. and He has resumed he, baseball or uh, softball activities. He's resumed softball activities uh, at the uh, Chop, Chop Sports Network Training Center. Um, there's another MRI being done on Wednesday. Hmm. And rumor has it he might make a guest appearance Thursday, but we're not sure he has a pinch hitter. Um, so that's very exciting news there. After we thought was maybe career-ending, but... I also heard on one of the blogs said that he can't really play anymore, and he's just, it's a tease. So I don't know. Um, we'll Come find back. out. I know Chris doesn't <laughs> like Johnny Trino. Um, but I thought he was okay. He's a decent guy. But we got to, we're worried about his hamstring. We want him to come back. So that is additional big news there. But now it's time for Jimmy's bookings. Now, how, we got to time this spot out because Johnine came to the softball game last week. So I told her I wouldn't cut it that much because it's part of the show. That's right. Jimmy's bookings sponsored by Absolute eyewear in Woodbridge, New Jersey, getting involved here from the Omni 
in Atlanta, absolute eyewear, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey. That's Woodbridge, New Jersey, not Woodridge, Woodbridge, 732-326-3937. This place is everything for your optical needs. There are They do prescription eyewear. They do prescription sunglasses, non-prescription sunglasses, prescription safety glasses, prescription sport glasses, prescription motorcycle glasses, glasses for the Kids, come on down. Contacts, eye exams, you name it, they do it. It's owned by Craig and Janine Michaud. Of course, Craig was my right center fielder for many, many years. Uh, even though he thinks he was good, he stunk. But uh, no, that's not true. He was good. I, I just, I love to bash the advertisers. That's my new thing. But it's family owned. They're brother and sister. They're they're licensed opticians. Um, and I always say, whenever you go to a store, you don't feel good when you leave. You feel good when they you know leave, even though you, they, it's a place to go. You need eyeglasses. Go to them. And now, of course, they got all different kinds of eyeglasses. And it's time to me to rattle off the kinds of eyeglasses they have. Your attention, please. Now available at Absolute Eyewear, Ray Ban Coach Ralph Lauren. Jimmy Choo, Silhouette, Michael Cause, Vogue, Maui Jim, and Costa Del Mar. That's right. That's the glasses they have. They got glasses for every budget, including mine, which is zero. They got discounts for seniors, AAA, AARP, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and you get $100 off a pair of prescription glasses when you mention this podcast. That's right. Key phrase, complete pair, which indicates frames and lenses. They've been in the business 16 years. Absolute Eyewear, Craig and Janine, open five days a week. They're closed Wednesday and Sunday. Of course, he closed Wednesday because that was our softball night. I made him close. I still love that. You can't work. Shut it down on Wednesday. You got to play ball. (laughs) And that's it. Absolute Eyewear, getting involved here. 732-326-3937. And also, don't forget to bring a little picture of Jimmy Palumbo, which we could stick it on the window there. I heard you can't even see out of the window now, which is funny. That's it. Absolute Eyewear. All right. Now, this booking took place in 2000, um, 2003, and to me, it's, it's, it's very funny. The, um, the name of the movie was Jersey Tale, and I booked it, uh, and I had to play a guy, a construction worker, and it was shooting in Yonkers, and, and, the, and the, the bit was that I'm a construction worker whose feet stink so bad, oh my God. and I'm in, this, I'm in this shoe store trying to explain to the guy that... I got to get new anything that helps your feet not stink. My wife comes home. She's complaining about it. I got to get boots that where it helps me not to stink, blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, I can get you this, get you that. So I do like a bit about how my wife thinks my feet stink. However, a couple of days for the booking, I realized I was shooting on a Sunday. And so I said, hey, dad, what are you doing Sunday? You want to come to a set? My father's never been to a set. He said, never been to a set. I don't see how all this works. It's okay. I drive my dad in. We go to Yonkers from Colonia to Yonkers. And we get there. And my father's seeing an operation here. A lot of things going on. I said, yeah. He goes, is it the same way for a big budget thing? I said, yeah, except there's add another two people for each job. And everyone's getting three times the money on a big production. Um, so I, the director, um, uh, Michael Tol, I don't know. I, I guess his name is Michael Tolosian. He was a director and writer. Nice guy. So he saw my father there, and he says, "Hey, Jimmy, you know, I can, I can put your father in as an extra." I'm like, "Oh my god, absolutely!" I said, "Dad, what you got to do?" So, as I'm talking to the shoe salesman, all my father had to do is look at a rack of sneakers as if he's and just stare at the wall and and, and do that. But he was like five feet from me. Now my father's never been on a set, so 
with that, we do the first scene and they yell, we do the we do the first take. They yell cut and he looks over and he smiles at me. I'm like, oh, this is so great. My dad's going to be totally in the background. So I was trying to angle myself so my dad could be seen. So we do the second take. Now everybody knows, uh, people don't know, when they shoot a scene, it's a lot of takes. They got to do different sides, different angles, my close-up, his close-up, a master shit goes on and on and on. Some And some directors are known for like, you could do 100 takes one scene. So we get to like the eighth take, and clearly I could just see my father's body language. He was now getting bored staring at the sneakers. On the <laughs> so they yell cut, and he's like, oh. That's a lot of takes. And then the, he hears the director say, <laughs> now, my father had a way of his voice carrying a little bit. So the director says, okay, back to one. We're going again. And I hear my father go, hey, how many times are we going to do this? And he said it loud enough where everybody heard it. Now, the the guy holding the boom mic started to giggle. I, of course, was, you know how you're mortified? Then you're like, oh, my God, that's so funny. And you know what? I really thought we did get it. Like, it, we, we did do too many takes. But who knows what was wrong with it? I mean, I'm not looking at the monitor. So, literally, every take after that, there was about six takes after that, I could hear my father going like, ah, on. <laughs> he says, hey. I, go, I'm gonna be. I hear things like this, well, we're going to be here all day. Uh, this is nuts here. It's going to get warm in here. So, he's going, <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm like, Dad, Dad, please, you cannot, you know, and the director totally heard him, probably hated me after that. So, uh, I'm, Dad, you can't, don't say anything. He goes, no, I'm not saying, I didn't say anything yet. Like, Dad, you not saying anything is you're mumbling, moderned, hey, what are we going to do here, Jimmy? He got coffee? He's asking for coffee? He became like a diva. <laughs> so with that, here's the best part, though. Classic, my father. During one of the few at the end of the takes, one of the lights was flickering. Okay, now, I don't know if you guys know this with film. If you have a light that's flickering on camera, it looks like strobe lights. Even if it's flickering a little bit, the whole thing will look like a strobe light you're at a nightclub. I saw it, you know, kind of, and then they, they yelled stop. The lighting guy goes, hey, what's going on? Oh, the light, that light up there is flickering. So the director went, on on every take? Like, was it just one? What does my father say? Loudly, right to the guy, like he's on a construction site. You just noticing that light flickering? When I walked in, it was flickering. I thought maybe the guy didn't plug it in right. With that, we had to do the whole thing all over again based upon my father going, you just noticing that now? So I, but the funny thing was he was right, but the, so they had to go back to one. But this one, we were more rehearsed and we actually got it done in five or six. But the director really didn't talk to me the rest of the day because he was like, he invites my father in and then he busts his balls about the lighting. So the story gets, gets even odd. So I, the name of the movie was A Jersey Tale. Now, a lot of times actors do movies, you never, you never hear about them again. They just go away. Cut to five years later, six years later, my father-in-law comes up to me and says, um, Hey, Jimmy, uh, I saw you in a movie. I said, well, which one? I, was, I thought it was going to be one that I, you know. He goes, yeah, it's a movie called Bought and Sold. I said, oh, Mike, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, uh, he goes, no, it was you. I said, oh, man, guys look like me. You know, he's a little older. I thought maybe he was in his 80s at the time. He's going on and on. And I'm like, Mike, I, I never did a movie. I mean, I, I'm not that prolific where I don't know the title of, you know. He's going, yeah, I, I swore it was you. Yeah, yeah I, I was you, it was you. And he goes, it was called Bought and Sold. It was on Showtime. I go, Mike, I none, none of the movies I'm on are on Showtime now, as far as I know. And uh, so he's going on and on. And I'm really like, I'm like, I'm getting annoyed now. Like, I'm not in a movie called Bought and Sold. All of a sudden he goes, you're sitting there, you're at the sneaker store, you're buying a good story. And I went, wait a minute. 
Wait a minute. That is me. He goes, I told you it was you. I'm trying to tell you. They changed the title from a Jersey tale to bought and sold without, you know, they didn't consult me. Wow. <laughs> not that they had to. So my follow-up was totally right. So that's my bought and sold thing. The other one I want to do quickly is uh, uh, another TV show I did, which I think is pretty funny. Uh, it's called Broad City. And you may know these two girls, Abby Jacobson and uh, Ilana Glazer. They're kind of stars now. They they started out the show as like on YouTube with handheld cameras, ended up on Comedy Central. And um, the wild thing is, uh, we were you know, the scene was me. They were painting stuff that they were going to sell at um, a subway, outside of a subway stop on uh, 23rd Street. And 14th Street, excuse me, and um, but the the paintings are kind of lame, and they're just trying to sell them for five bucks. So I play a guy coming out of the subway, and I'm looking at him, and we're discussing him. It turns out they're kind of lame, and I'm like, "What is this? this? Is not this is awful?" And we get an argument. So we shoot it, but they were like on a, like a crazy uh, gorilla style. We were shooting it like with people walking around at midday in New York on 14th Street. And they said, Jimmy, we, we can bleep stuff out, so really, really go for it. So, they, of course, that was the day I brought my, – my daughter was on the set. And thank God they had her further enough away because I had to really, really curse. So we start doing the takes, and I'm like, you know, I start going like, come on, dude, what do you mean a, a Jersey tomato Bruce Springsteen? You, he doesn't eat tomatoes? And he's like, they're like, no, we thought Jersey tomato and Bruce. And I'm like, come on, that's awful. It had to do with food and stars and stuff that made no sense. So I start – and they start giving me shit, and then I'm, like, grabbing my crotch and stuff like that. And Well, I had to start walking away from them, yelling. Meanwhile, you know, I'm, like, cursing, like, oh, fuck yourself, jerk, you know, blah, blah, blah. So now we had to do, like, four takes of this. And I was just trying to come up with jerk-off things Jersey guys say, like, you know, going on. Knowing full well, they said, after the second take, I'm like, hey, is that what you want me to do? They're like, oh, my God, Jimmy, like, you're nailing this. So as I'm going backwards, I'm literally like, jerk off. Now I'm thinking, there's like people walking to my right. Who just Imagine yeah, if you no saw idea. a guy. Yeah. You can't tell him, Mike. I'm walking around. Yeah, drive right here. Squeeze my right here, my ball. Lick my nut. You know, I don't want to curse on the show, but it was like. Another homeless guy. <laughs> it was just nuts. But the scene came out. Uh, matter of fact, I think it's on my website. Um, it's really, really funny. Uh, uh, it's a really funny scene. And the girls were, uh, they couldn't have been sweeter. Um, I thought Abby Jacobson was hot. I still think she's single, but um, uh, she's probably not going to date me. But if she, I'm available, Abby, give me a call. And Alana Glazier, they were like sweet and cool. But the best thing about that is the next week, um, another guy, I think I mentioned this on an early podcast, did was shooting a short film, and he was doing the episode of Broad City, and he mentioned to the girls, yeah, I'm looking for someone. They were like, you got to give Jimmy a pl- Jimmy Blumbo a call. So I get a phone call two weeks later. I go work on this guy's short film, and I can't tell I'm dropping his name right now. It's making me crazy. And But I don't know how I booked it. My agent got the call, blah, blah, blah. I booked for the day. So I go there, and I'm with the one of the producers and um, the makeup lady in the costuming. And I was like, hey, I don't know how I booked this. Whoever, I, I want to thank them because it was like four or five grand for the day. I want to thank them. You know, usually you want to say, what was the connection? He comes over to me, and I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. It's going to drive me nuts. Um, and uh, he comes up, and he's like, he goes, Jimmy, I understand you have a problem here. I said, no, no, I just want to thank the guy 
who just threw four grand in my pocket. <laughs> I'd like to shake his hand. And he sticks out his hand, I shake, and I go, oh, it's you. And he goes, yeah, I worked with uh, the girls on uh, Broad City, and uh, they recommended it. I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. He goes, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, oh, I watched you in Beer League, and I didn't think this guy was kind of a Beer League guy, you know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, my God. So from that gig, Alana and Abby recommended me, and the guy, I got two gigs out nice. of it. And this little short film, which is only seen on the internet, I did with the girl from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, the, the wife of... Uh, um, the one who's always yelling, Larry, go fuck yourself, Larry, that one. Uh, Susie? Susie. Um, uh, I, she, I played her uh, her husband in this weird uh, sci-fi fantasy kind of uh, thing about different time. We played the 50s couple, I think it was. But I got two gigs out of one, so. Hey, guys, this is Sturge from Chop Sports, and I want to talk to you about a new hobby of mine, and that's real estate. Ever since we brought on our resident realtor here at Chop Sports, that's all I can think about. So we got another one. You know who's really good at this stuff? Jay Devlin of CRG Homes. Jay is out of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and business is booming. Whether you're looking to relocate, buy, rent, or literally purchase property and watch your stacks get higher, Jay is the guy to do this for you. He's already in the process of helping me out right now on a possible summer home. Call Jay right now, 843 843- 315-5913 and have yourself a chat and learn about all the perks and tell them Chop Sports sent you. Uh, I actually found my uh, old high school yearbook uh, and I looked through the pictures. First of all, my yearbook, in my mind, even though it was 1983, we graduated, so I don't mind saying that. But when I look at the yearbook now, I feel like it's 1951. The photos are in black and white and they're bad photos. That's when, that's when they took all year to build. They had to build and cut and paste this oh year. Remember there was like a yearbook program, yearbook oh, yeah. stamp. And it's so awful. And the, 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 you know, my brother's yearbook, he showed me over um, Memorial Day weekend. We had a laugh. He has the oval pictures. That really dates you right there. But now, I don't even, do they even do yearbooks anymore? Is this all an online thing? I mean, thing? I'm, I would imagine that they do because it's money. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's something I remember it being, I think yearbooks were like 75 bucks back then. It was yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, they were but, like 150 bucks when I was graduating. And yeah. I was, you know. Because you have to actually pay, when you think about it, 2000. you got to pay for a book to be produced. And now they probably could do it cheaper with the online stuff. But um, just looking at my yearbook is so funny. But you know, you get, you get sad because tons of people have died. Sure. And then you're like, wait a minute, when's my number coming up? You know what I mean? Uh, you're sitting there looking at it, you're like, oh my God, that's so... Jimmy, um, who was the guy with the guitar over his shoulder? Oh, uh, that's one of my funny... <laughs> I forget that kid's that's name. That's the famous Above, one. yeah, above my cousin John's. Anybody from Colonia in 1983 listening to this, if you ever want to get a laugh, if you're really sad or depressed and you don't feel like taking your medication... Open up the 1983 yearbook, go to John Henry Palumbo's page, and look at the guy above him <laughs> holding the guitar. If that doesn't make you laugh. And then there was the women who held the roses in their mouth. What yes. is that? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so funny. And then I love the camera shy list. <laughs> then you, you get there's mad no now. You're like, going. I can't see. I get the feeling that those people knew that there's going to be creeps like me looking at my uh, high school yearbook. 35 page. years from and now. Like, I'm not going to show my picture now, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, no, you should because that's the only time you made What was your good. dream job? Do you remember what you picked? Like, what do you want to do? Mine be? was boring. It just said, like, oh, I play uh, baseball, tennis, whatever, uh, wrestling. Um, I picked Sports Center guy. So I'm, I'm, trying. Uh, I'm, still, I'm still trying. That's awesome. but, well, you know. I was, well, Roger Mayer won. I, Friendliest? I, I believe uh, Michelle Ferraro and I were one friendlier. 
You're yeah, the friendliest. Nicest guy I won. I've met. You know, it's funny. Now, this is official, not underneath my photo. Well, it's funny. You just say you think you're on pace. I won with Diane Chisvetti. Ready for this? Most talkative. (laughs) And I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. And we have tape (laughs) over our mouths. Um, So that's so funny. I won most, and you won most friendly. And you know what? Wait, first of all, you're clearly, you win that. Uh, My cousin John won most likely to succeed or. Something like that. He was he was valedictorian. Well, he was valedictorian. Yeah. I always tell people, because oh, my cousin John was a very good looking guy. Kind of looked like Matt Dillon kind of look. And I used to be the guy, uh, the classic. I was the backup quarterback. But you know what? A lot of starting quarterbacks get hurt. They play five years around. I was that starting quarterback. You know, three years with the Giants, four years with the Falcons. He's the hostile. You want you want yeah, yourself a nice you got, ring. I get I get hop in there, but these people come up to me like, "Oh my God!" Even when we were younger, they were like, "But I'm close with my cousin John." We never it was never a rivalry between us at all. Our, our dads are identical twins, and girls would be like, "Oh my God, is that is that your cousin? Oh, he's so cute. Can I can I talk to him?" And I'd be like, "Now, if I thought the girl was hot, I would be like, uh, yeah." And then I'd be, "Hey, John, this is Karen or Sue, whatever it was." And my cousin John was back, was a little shy back then. He wasn't. I was always like I was five foot one, and I was yelling and screaming about stupid stuff. Uh, I was clearly the guy not getting laid. And then years later, they were like, "Oh, he didn't really talk to me." I'm like, "Well, he was shy. Did he? You know, he <laughs> thought you were nice. Like, what do you?" And people had different. Like they thought he was a different guy. And they tell me this years later. And I remember that at the high school reunion, somebody came up to me and John, my cousin John, sitting there, me and him. And she's like, uh, oh, John, there you are. You were so rude to me. You, oh. you knocked my books over. And she went on and on. At first we were like giggling, but then she went on a little long. And I said, I said, well, wait a minute. I was like, there's no way my cousin John knocked over your books. Right. They weren't that way. Right. Palumbo kids weren't that way. That would have been mean. I was like, I do remember, though, you used to carry around all 15 books. <laughs> All day long from first period on. You just to carry them around. That was like a thing for you. And she goes, well, I needed my books. I was like, no, you didn't. You didn't need seventh period book because you walked by your locker three times. You could have took your two books out. So I actually snapped her right back. So my cousin John's looking at me like, Jimmy, why do you know all this? I don't even know what she's, I don't remember her. I don't remember. I do know I didn't slap books out of her hand, which I know. And then so my cousin John walks away. He goes, your, your cousin John was so stuck up back then. I was like, I said, listen, I said, you got the wrong guy. He okay. was not, just because he was a good looking horse and he was shy and maybe didn't talk to you doesn't mean he was stuck. But right. I just, my cousin John's just not a stuck up guy. I never felt that way anyway. I'd like and, to just thank John for getting me through chemistry. That's true. Yeah. Well, Roger has, um, <laughs> we could, we, my cousin cheating. John was—he's a salutatorian. Salutor, sal, I was the only one that was cheating. Was I salutatorian? Salutatorian. He spoke. I always tell people, you spoke at the graduation. Um, but if you remember at our high school graduation, I won't remember names, but you'll love this. The girl, the, the my cousin John spoke first, and he was he had a very nice, well prepared speech, and um, and he, you know, but people in the audience were like Jimmy, go up there for him, go up there for him. I'm like. Gosh, can you please let my cousin enjoy this very impressive moment, number two in the class. But somebody, there was an echo. They had the speakers above the stands. Back then it was like, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and it was a delay, you know, like yeah. the old days. And someone told the valid, I don't know if you remember this, Roger, that she has to speak slow, you have to speak slower because there was like an echo. So this oh my is how... She spoke at graduation. <laughs> so with that, it was going on. I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know those long, boring uh, valedictorian speeches. And my cousin John's was just okay. I, mean, I remember being kind of funny. But 
both of them, who I forget what even he said. And um, so we get done. My mother comes up to me and goes, oh, John was so great. Oh, and that valedictorian, she has that speech problem. And she was like, oh. <laughs> like Ma, she's not. She just never got less than an A. I ran into her at a bar years later because I stayed in Colonia a long time. <laughs> I made the joke. I was like, so you were valedictorian. And she goes, yeah. And I, I go, um, I go, listen, um, did you ever, did you ever not get an A? She was like, no, no. I, back then it was just A, B, C, D. She's <laughs> an F. She looks, she goes, no, actually we were looking at the, my old stuff and I just, I got, never got, I never, she never didn't get an A. I was like, that to me should have been said rather than you were number one in the class. Don't you think someone never should got have, a B. like, there should have been like <laughs> a, anything. like I should have up there saying, Jimmy Palumbo show, here we are, 1983 graduation. Now up, I forget, I won't say her name because she's not here. She never got less than an A. That's right. My cousin John had a couple of B's as a ninth grader, <laughs> cost him dearly for the right, but you know, uh, I said, I, obviously no one speaking today has gotten less than a C, of course. <laughs> but this girl has been since first grade. All straight A's, four marking periods, times 12. That's 48 straight you know, grades of A's. Oh um, and then, you know, what I also think they should have done for high school graduations, but they should institute this. They should have, obviously, the valedictorian. One and two should speak that way. Then they should have, like, a middle-of-the-pack guy. Probably a guy like me, like kind of B, some C, just like your basic high school student. The average guy. The average yeah. guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then you- Doesn't get laid all the time, but, you know, there's certainly flirts with girls. You know, he's like a, a 265, 270 hitter, you know, like someone someone on the Yankees right now who would be making $4 million a year, $40 million a year. But then they should have like the end of the road person. The kid who just didn't like to go to school, but somehow now is so, like yeah. an HVAC and technician right, making yes. making a yes. million dollars and a they year. Should, no, they should have the, the end. Of, don't tell them it's the end. You, you you don't announce it before. But it can't be the guy who's like, you know, ready to kill everyone. Yeah, no. It's got to be just a guy like, you know, I just didn't have it. Like you know, I just wasn't me, smart. You know what I mean? Hard worker. Hard worker. The, the other into, the Yeah, other, I was into like route. wood shop and metal. And I just, street smart. Yeah, street smart just didn't work They were out. always in the work program. He got to leave early. Exactly right, you know. Um I just think they should do that at high school graduations. It would be very funny. Although the lower end would probably outshine the valedictorian <laughs> at this point. But, uh, yes, my cousin John is also responsible. Now, when you fly for American, know this. The safety in your skies is really all about my cousin John. Yes. Because Roger Mayer became a pilot. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But without my cousin John sitting next to him, Roger Mayer probably would still be a Colonia yeah, High School. Yeah, I would. Take but I got to give you, I got to give First of all, my cousin John was responsible for your and Mike Rowan's grades yeah. in oh, math. I wasn't the only one. Oh, no, no. Oh. Mike, Mike Rowan completely committed to so it. So, but here's the best part. I remember Roger from very young age, uh, and I find this interesting, always wanted to become a pilot. And it's very rare. How many kids... Since you're like 14, you wanted to fly. You wanted to fly. You wanted to fly. And he comes, uh, his, his, his parents, you know, they, they did well for themselves. Father's a doctor. They were able to, you know, get him maybe some lessons and, and do that kind of thing. But when when it got real, like, just what you want to do, Roger had to go to college. And, of course, you know from flying, there's victors and vectors. And, and it wasn't back then. It was no, like, you don't fly the plane on an iPad like you do now. Um, I remember Roger was like, it was so funny. We were even we. You were like Jimmy. I, I I'm really into the flying. I, I'm a great pilot, but I got to pass these math courses that are like really. I was like, and me, Brian, and John looked at you like, I don't think Roger's gonna make it. <laughs> but I got to give you credit. You, 
Roger disappeared for like eight months. <laughs> Literally, I remember you were like, "I'm studying this math. I'm studying this math." Yeah, like, it meant something to me. It meant something. Chemistry to wasn't really doing yeah. it. But it was, you know. But I said, eventually, though, I know you. The the way the math was was linked to flying I, as well, and that helped a huge. Yeah, I, I struggled you, with math my whole life. Right, I mean, right. So I I always I always got a kick out of number one. Roger always wanted to fly. Two, he wasn't good math, so we had to bear down to get through that. And um, then he became a pilot for American Eagle, which at the, uh, was a, a regional airline that flew from like, you know, to New York to Buffalo, Chicago to Buffalo, all the like those like one and a half hour flights. And I know they paid you guys like uh, four dollars okay. an hour. Yeah. And yet you were responsible for hundreds. Like it blows me away. Matter of fact, I just saw a horrific one of those midair disaster shows. Which, which there's nothing worse. You're about to fly on a trip and you catch one of those air crash shows on History Channel, yeah. and you're like, I'm totally gonna die on my flight. My flight's gonna make it. And it's usually like this younger regional airline. Uh, uh, and I remember you were telling me how sometimes they, you know, um, uh, there's some sometimes you do get pilots that that slip through, but most. They always make it sound like pilots suck, and you know that there's a oh, million. We're always to blame. Yeah, there's a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand pilots in this world, and probably eleven of them are lousy. You just hope you're not on their flights. <laughs> but I tell you one area. There's that certain area of the world, like Phil, Jakarta, on that area. I just would be like, "Honey, we can go visit there. We're just not flying there. I wouldn't even go by boat. I don't. You have to take a private. I don't know how you get there because every third crash usually takes place over there. It's like people are in boats in the water waiting for the planes to crash. It's like, uh, I know I'm bashing. Roger's just laughing, but it's like, I can't bash my industry. But um, I was able to fly. Uh, uh, Roger had these uh, guest passes, and um, I was able to fly an American for a long time. And I always used to love the, the, the and I, I actually dated some uh, Delta flight attendants uh, in my later years. Um, I always loved the fact that when you fly on a, only an hour flight, all the all the uh, flight attendants are smoking hot because they're new, they're young, they only get the hour. Then you learn they only get paid for the flight time, so that's a bad gig. You only get an hour. The veteran quarterbacks, <laughs> the Tom Brady's, are in that flight number one, JFK to L.A. because they're getting five and a half hours pay. Bang! That's how they make their money. They fly back and forth. Uh, but I always flew only New York to L.A. Really, so I would get these veteran. But you know, they just look like craggy old. Like you know, they would. They they were good at getting you drinks because they knew like cause they were probably drunks themselves now, but uh, but it was like there was never any good looking one. <laughs> said, no, you want to see a good looking flight attendant? I know this is like the sexiest show for some reason, but I don't mean it to be. But they had those grizzled old veterans. Even the pilots look older, and you felt better oh, yeah. about yourself. They're senior, and you know those New York to L.A. flights never crash. They <laughs> those, those little puddle jumpers. But Roger, of course, is uh, flew the MD eighty yeah. for. Long time, 12 like 13 years? years, 13 years, which was the workhorse of really the world. Uh, I think it's the number one. It was like the most planes, right, or something yep. like that. And, and then, of course, they finally did away with that because it got, it was, uh, you know, got only like eight miles to the gallon on the gasoline. <laughs> exactly. But then he had to be checked out. On a, and now you're on the Super 757, right? I went to the 737 after that. Okay. And then the Dreamliner, 787. Now he's on the 787 Dreamliner. Now you fly to like... Leaving for Japan on Thursday. Yeah, big, no. Roger does those long flights, the ones where, like, you fly for six now hours. He's, now he's the, the wily vet that you were talking it's like about. It's 14, 14-hour flight. I'm doing it out of, uh, out of Dallas. Now, now, let me ask you. There's so four of us. So you live in Chicago. Yeah. So you have to commute to Dallas. American flies me to Dallas. Commutes down there. And then, so spend it's a, the night. Spend the night. You wake up in the morning. You, you fly the first seven hours. Uh, uh, typically, there's, there's four of us. 
Okay. So you'll have a captain, a first officer, and then you'll have what's called an FB and an FC. Okay. And uh, typically the FB and the FC take the first three-hour break. And then we just keep going three hours, three hours, three hours. So you don't yeah. really you get to go up in a bunk. You're getting, you're getting, yeah. Do you uh, do you fully nap or you just kind of chill well, out? I'm out. You're out. <laughs> no, you sleep. I'm out. I'm I do- should know that about you. Of course, I'm, you're getting. I'm dozing for dollars up there. Okay, that's so a beautiful thing. But there's laws. Otherwise, you can't have pilots fall asleep behind the. Uh, of course. Right. And now you're just staring at a black nothingness when you fly at night, right? Yeah. Pretty so much. you when you when it's not night, you're looking at the instruments, not really the. So you don't, do you look at the window as much as it seems like you would? Well, the autopilot's on, and you're just cruising along and talking to air traffic control. And, right. You know, just sector to sector. Now, you once told me something that some of the older pilots like yourself, you're not a rookie at all, these younger kids, they learn, the, they, they do know the, the, the systems with the punching and clicking and all that, but you actually can fly the plane. Every, every one of them can. Right. I'm, I'm not yeah, saying, yeah, 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 I'm not being, I, of course. Yeah. This is not a uh, airline <laughs> bash show. I'm just saying, you. but you were telling me that you, you have more experience, uh, or you, not more, you have good experience at actually uh, flying the aircraft without, just bef- on the MD-80 and some other flights, because you flew so often. Uh, uh, did you fly like Piper Cubs and all that oh, sure. different stuff? Yeah, flight instructed. Can you, can you fly a Piper Cub right now if you had to? I, I could. I mean, it wouldn't be pretty, but. Right, but you can get it up and going. You wouldn't for be, sure. yeah, yeah. oh, you want a little, uh, you want want to go up with a pilot for the first. Yeah, I'll do a little, you know, a little check out. A little check out. They let you lose. Now, when you a whole get, different world. No, I know, I know. And please, <laughs> anybody listening, I'm not bashing uh, pilots at all. I just, I have a friend of mine who's a, you know, a American Airlines full pilot. This is what they do, and I think my listeners will find it interesting how it works. So you get breaks and stuff. Um, so uh, is it really now a lot like iPad software stuff like Tesla? All on the iPad. I on the iPad. And is it an, is it an actual iPad or is it part no, of your? No, American Airlines initiates it, gives it to every pilot. And right. You know that big black bag we used to carry around. Right. Yeah. No more. I carried so a little satchel with my iPad. Okay. Now uh, this is a question. I guess every pilot you got to ask, and I, I did ask you this once, but I'll let you answer it again. Obviously, there's always going to be a uh, what's going on, uh oh moment that happens on flights where a, a light goes on, like what. How scared do you get? Or are you initially like, let me, let me, like a baseball picture. Okay, oh, oh, and two count. Let me settle. Oh, three and oh count. Let me settle down. Have you ever had a situation where you're looking at the other guys and you're all like, we can't figure this out, but we're okay now? But, well, we, years ago, it took uh, 20 years into the, into flying before I lost my first engine. And it was on an MD 80 coming out of Chicago. And it's just amazing how well the training is. Right. Because when that engine rolled back, I looked at him, he looked at me, and I'm like, this ain't no simulator, dude. <laughs> we're, we're, we're flying, and every, everything just kicks in, you know, and you right. just run checklists, and you declare emergencies, and we just came back around. And, you swung back around. And we landed, and it was over. And uh, that was the only time it's right. ever been uh, serious. Well, so you were close to Chicago when you left? just like, departed. So right. Now, if you were, if you were in the middle of... Um, You'd have to make if an you were in the middle of a flight, somewhere? would that have been back, an issue? Back in Chicago, yeah. No matter yeah. what, you would have gone back to no, Chicago. No, I'm saying if you were far, say you were like halfway on an eight-hour flight. Well, when we're flying over the Pacific or the Atlantic, we always have uh, alternate airports in mind. So when we're halfway across the Atlantic, we're always checking weather in case we need to divert. Right. For uh, a fire would be the would be the main one. I mean, right. Uh, and then obviously people get sick. You might have to divert. Somebody's right. having a heart attack. Right. My, my grandfather, my grandfather actually 
he didn't pass away on the flight, but on a flight from Kennedy to uh, Seattle, um, he they, they, had a, they had a land in Portland. It was towards the end. Yep. And he, he lived another three or four days. And they actually thought he was going to come home, but they wanted him to get settled there before he had to fly back. And then but his heart just gave out. Yep. So I know, I, I always think of it as a person like, ah, we got to stop in Portland, you know. But another thing you told me about um, Sully, what he did, it really is amazing. Yeah. Pretty amazing what he did. No, no doubt. Yeah. No, I mean uh, him and Jeff Skiles. Right, so the two guys. Both some credit. There yeah. Okay. Poor well, Jeff. He kind of. He's know. uh He's not Tom Hanks. <laughs> he's not Tom he's, Hanks. He's, he's right? the second. He's the second guy who landed <laughs> right. on the moon. Right. What's the guy's second? He just died. The second guy landed on the moon. Buzz. But, no, um, Buzz Aldrin. He, Buzz Aldrin. Yeah. Um. But no, I mean the fact that they landed and nobody. Right. Well, that could have been. They knew their only option was to go into the river. Right. And, and it was so close to Teterboro too, but right. still, they didn't have enough. Right, but but in the movie, you remember he asked for thirty six extra seconds for the right. human factor. Right, and wow. that that determined that they weren't going to go anywhere but the river. Wow! But when they were doing the testing, they they lost the engine and they immediately made the left turn to go into Teterboro. And they after twenty seven <laughs> times, they eventually landed in the simulator. But wow. thirty six seconds of like. Wow! We just, now, you know, to me, I mean, the movie uh, to me it looked like it could have actually hit the George Washington Bridge if you ask me. But no, I guess he was. Yeah. He if it. you look at the angle, it's yeah, like yeah. whoa! But that's uh, yeah. You always hear these, uh, like I saw these bad TV shows. That imagine are, being on the bridge, like looking, looking up at up. a plane about to bash in. Well, that morning, me? that morning, I was at an audition me? on the west side, right across, and the audition was in a with tall windows. I was sitting on the. The ledge of the window, and staring out at the Hudson, and I get home, and everybody tells me what happened. I'm like, well, I didn't see. I was there. Like two hours later, I would have been sitting there going, "That guy's low. He's <laughs> he didn't in make the it. river." <laughs> Plus, I love the stories of the ferries getting all the people out of there. Oh, it was great. Yeah, and I want to know I, the movie covered it a little bit, and so did one of these disaster shows I watched. You got to think there were some jerk off guys on there pushing people out of the way. <laughs> Because they make it sound like they landed and there was plenty of time and everybody got out. But, like, the, if my shoes were getting wet from Hudson City water and I'm in the back, I would have been screaming, get out of my way. But uh, They were no, heroes. I mean, no, they did a great job. They did a great job with that. So, Roger Mayer, my pilot friend here behind the glass, and uh, coming in here to do, uh, I think he was here to make sure his brother-in-law's live read. <laughs> I came here to see my buddy, Jim. Yes, he came to see it's great me. great to see you. And he Thanks for to, having he, me on. He wanted to have, oh, anytime. <laughs> he wanted to have, and a shout out to his mom. His mom is living in a freehold area. We both still have our moms, yes, which is do. a blessing. You bet. And uh, Warren Brumel, attorney at law, in uh, Keyport, Law.com. Um, see that? The live reads never stop. You know, cause it's all about the advertiser. You know what I mean? And uh, so that's it. That's our show. Good evening, everybody. That is it here. Roger Mayer behind the glass. Chris Gucci behind the glass. Dave Sturchio. Chop Sports Network. This is the end of show number 13. Jimmy Palmer. Where have you come from? Where have you gone? Let's get hot.